Good morning. I've just noticed that the opening acclamation is incorrect. We start this morning with blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be his kingdom now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name, for you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated for the readings. A reading from Isaiah. I was ready to be sought out by those who did not ask, to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that did not call on my name. I held out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and offering incense on bricks, who sit inside tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat swine's flesh with broth of abominable things in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. These are a smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day long. See, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their laps, their iniquities and their ancestors' iniquities together, says the Lord, because they offered incense on the mountains and reviled me on the hills, I will measure into their laps full payment for their actions. Thus says the Lord, as the wine is found in the cluster, and they say, do not destroy it, for there is a blessing in it, so I will do for my servants' sake, and not destroy them all. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob, and from Judah inheritors of my mountains. My chosen, chosen, shall inherit it, and my servants shall settle there. The word of the Lord. Be to God. 
a reading from Galatians. Now before the faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian, for in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Jesus Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus and his disciples arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As Jesus stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wild. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This morning's Gospel reading, in my opinion, is something that has had tremendous influence on film, television, and publishing industries. 
How many of you here seen the movie The Exorcist with Linda Blair playing the role of Regan McNeil? You know, the girl in the bed as it floated off the ground. I am sure if you saw it, other images come to mind. Pea soup. I'm just saying. How many of you read any of the books authored by Frank Peretti? These are just a few of so many examples of how this gospel influenced how demons and demon possession have been portrayed throughout these industries. They've had such an influence on our understanding of what that looks like and what kind of harm they do to us and to others. You see, the first book I ever read cover to cover was the book It, written by Stephen King. It scared me so bad that I was always looking under my bed and in every corner. I contribute that book as a brick in the foundation of my own perception of demons and what they do and don't do. The book wasn't about demon possession directly, but Pennywise was completely possessed in my mind. He had to be. However, I was able to make this connection. I, was, I wasn't able to make this connection until my early 20s when I was introduced to This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti. This piece of fiction built a great portion of my foundation of the understanding and what I believed about demons. This book described in great detail of a demon sitting on the shoulder of the main character, which is a female, and was swirling its fingers in her brain, all the while whispering thoughts into her brain to make her stay confused and disoriented. It wanted her to forget about her faith, her beliefs, and her prayer life. Then, when she was so confused and not in her right mind, she took the life of one of the pastors of the town. The demon convinced her that the pastor was an evil demon that was doing horrible things to the pe people of his congregation. So, with the first being from it, and a large portion of the rest of the foundation being put into place by Frank Peretti's book, and his next three as well, I thought I had a clear perception of demons and how they could cause people to do things that folks that were in their right minds would never consider or even dream of. Now, I could go on with experiences that I have had over my life that helped reinforce this perception, but that would take too much time. You see, this gospel reading from Luke was so incredibly influential. However, I would say influenced in a negative way, especially when it came to my understanding of that and the spiritual realm. You see, I was completely convinced that demons could possess someone, turn them evil, and make them do horrible things to people. The devil made them do it. I bought that hook, line, and sinker. That was until recently. A few weeks ago, I was having lunch with my colleagues, and this topic came up. I was telling them about the conversations that I've had with the Emmaus House folks about demons and demon possession. 
and how Father John Hermes and I disagreed on this topic, and how it made for great debates with everyone during our gatherings at the Emmaus house. You see, I was still defending my perception. I believed that I was oh so correct. My life experiences were evidence. However, Father Johnny dropped an epiphany on the conversation and said, if you read the scriptures that deal with demons and demon possessions, you will find that the only person that is bothered, disturbed, or tormented is the person who is possessed. And those folks are isolated from their family, friends, and communities. They do not cause harm to anyone. The harm is being done to them, and only them. Well, you would have thought that I would immediately start debating him. I didn't. My response was, hmm, I never thought of it that way. So over the past couple of weeks, I have indeed read the scriptures and found that Father Johnny was correct. This has cracked my foundation of my perception. <laughs> In fact, it has almost destroyed it. Demons and demon possession doesn't make their inhabitants do anything to anyone. In fact, in every scripture that I read, it was the possessed person who was being harmed. Not just by the demons, no. They were also tormented and harmed by their family members, their so-called friends, and even their entire community. The people that should have seen their family member, friend, or community member suffering from something and enveloped them with care, love, and compassion were frightened and didn't know what was happening and didn't want the same thing to happen to them. They ran when they saw these folks coming. They chased them out of town. They chained them up just to make sure this person wouldn't pass anything on to them. You may say, why does this matter? It matters because our society puts way too much stock into the theory of the devil made us do it. Instead of seeing, usually way too late, the need of someone that we have to so that we have to share, that we have to show care and show a little compassion to. They need someone who isn't afraid for themselves and is willing to reach out and help. I mean, really, show someone who is being tormented that you care about them and would help however you can, even if you are as scared as I was after reading it. You see, the people of Durenesis had a beloved child of God being tormented by demons. And what did they do? They isolated him and chained him up in the tombs. They were terrified of this man. And for everyone's safety, they left him alone with his demons. Now, Jesus frees this man from bondage of the demons and the people of Gerasenes, who saw this were who saw this, were not joyful or celebratory. No, 
they continued to be afraid and asked Jesus to leave them. It was easier to remain afraid and to live with fear than it was to be compassionate, to offer help, or to love this man with demons. So Jesus, loving this child of God, confronted the demons for this man and and in turn for this country. You would think that they would be happy, joyful, and grateful for the freeing of one of their own. Well, my friends, unfortunately, humans are humans, and we really find it so much easier to cast out, demoralize, hate, and isolate people and things that are different from us or that frighten us instead of remembering that as a child of God, we have nothing to fear. Jesus has promised that he is right here. Our fears and worries are a waste of time because the Son of God has paved the way for each of us to face our fears because he is right there confronting them with us. Our fears motivate way too many of our thoughts, actions, and decisions. This causes us to live out of fear, not caution, which is different and prudent, but fear, fear of different, fear of loss, fear of harm, fear of etc., etc., etc. We like to rationalize these fears by being cautious when really we are allowing our fears to resemble demons and they torment us and isolate us. We know because God told us and showed us that fears do not have the hold on us that we think they do. We need to remember first and foremost, every second of every day that we are beloved. And because those fears have no place in our lives, that's when we can start to look at each other as beloved. And maybe, just maybe, start showing more compassion than fear. Amen. Let us stand and reaffirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth,
Remembering especially Justice, the Arch Justin, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael, our presiding bishop, Brian, our bishop, Johnny, our rector, Chris, our deacon, in our diocese, St. Thomas Elizabethton, and in our companion diocese of South Dakota, Grace Church, Madison. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours. Grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. We pray especially for the victims of the shooting at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church, Vestavia Hills, Alabama. Grant repose to the departed, healing to the injured, and the gift of perfect love to drive out all fear. Lord, in your mercy. Remembering Sister Becky, Bill, Nancy, Alan and Lisa, Mariana, Martha, Rick, Alex, George, Jay, John, Kimberly, Kim, Mark, Kelly, Thomas, Diana, Jackson, Tony, Jonathan, Brayden, Heather, Van, Patricia, Carly, Lisa, Gary, Jean, Kim, Don and Diane, Matt, Ray, Richard, Sherry, Fred, the Swinton children, Caitlin, Selena, food pantry guest and their families. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy. We commend to your mercy all who have died that your will for them may be fulfilled. And we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy.
Holy and righteous God, you created us in your image. Grant us grace to contend fearlessly against evil and to make no peace with oppression. Help us, like those of generations before us, resist the evil of slavery and human bondage in any form and any manner of oppression. Help us also to use our freedoms to bring justice among people and nations everywhere to the glory of your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by the what we have done to us. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Friends, the peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. Please show one another signs of peace. Good morning again. Uh, the collect that I used after the uh, prayers of the people was a collect written by the Union of Black Episcopalians for Juneteenth specifically, which is today. And so we celebrate that day of in our history of liberation and remember our own vocation and imperative as Christians to liberate the captives as Jesus was called to do. Um, so we celebrate that and also uh, happy Father's Day to those of you who have been a father to someone we uh, also have a few announcements there on page 14 of your bulletin, and so I want to draw your attention to those few things. Um, in particular, I want to give uh, Rex Ward a moment to just talk to you briefly about the um, Eucharistic visitors and what that, uh, what that entails. So, Rex, if you want to jump up to the microphone quickly. Well, as speaking to the 13th tribe of Israel, may I say, good morning, fellow Episcopalites. Say, do you know why that Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and so many Baptists have little dents all in their chest? It's from being repeatedly told, repeatedly told, get off my porch. <laughs> Second question. Can you tell me what the closest is that we can physically get to the presence of Christ on earth? What is the closest we can physically get to the presence of Christ on earth? In the Eucharist, Father Johnny, an ordained priest, says, and we pray that you would sanctify this bread and this cup to be for the people uh, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as the Holy Spirit dwells in us uh, and we have the presence of Christ in us through the Holy Spirit, when we partake of communion, 
when we touch, take the bread and we touch, drink the wine, we are by the Holy Spirit partaking of the presence of the body and blood of Christ. And physically on earth, my opinion, that is the most close we can get to physically touching the presence of Christ. Now, the reason I mentioned the dense is to tell you that that has never happened to a lay Eucharistic visitor, as far as I know, in all history. Um, but um, we're, we're in a position uh, currently where we have a few people who uh, uh, can no longer be in attendance at the church to participate in communion. And I don't know about you, but each week when I partake of the bread and the cup, in my own heart, I just say, dear God, I thank you with every fiber of my being that I can take all I know about thee for all I know about me, and I can go away uh, not only forgiven and cleansed, but in the strength of his spirit and his presence. What if you could never do that after today? If today were the last time you could partake of the, the, uh, the bread and the cup because something happens or will happen that will keep you from being able to be in the church again. So that's why we have, for those who don't know what a Eucharistic visitor is, that is a layperson who after some very simple training, which we will be doing in a couple of weeks, uh, we go out in teams to folks like uh, Bill Ford, Alice Payne, uh, and various ones who probably will never be in a worship service here again, but we share in taking the communion from the service to them. So simply put, would you think about this and pray and consider becoming one of our lay Eucharistic visitors? We're trying to work this so that those who cannot be in the service will have the uh, uh, opportunity to have communion at least once a month. And we also try to work it so that for those who agree to be on one of the Eucharistic visitor teams, uh, you will not be the you will not be going every time. In other words, we will rotate around so that, uh, I guess as we say in Northeast Tennessee, nobody gets stuck doing it themselves every time. So pray about that and see Father Johnny or me, and uh, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. And I'll end with my dog Rex, and I thank you sincerely. Thank you, Rex. Yes, we will. Uh, we'll, we'll do a training for that. If you're interested in that, please uh, help us with that ministry so that, as Rex said, we can uh, minister to the folks who are at home and uh, can't be with us on Sunday mornings. Um, I know that it benefits and, and uh, is uh, greatly appreciated by those who receive communion in the home. Um, I want to thank Chris for preaching a sermon whose moral I can only assume was that Johnny is right. And... Uh, <coughs> <laughs> And then uh, lastly, uh, I, I do want to ask uh, any birthdays or anniversaries uh, to come forward. Come on down.
We, we all have anniversaries. Excellent. This works out just perfectly. So R Rick and Tina have a, a particularly uh, special thing here. This is a wedding ring, that engagement rings and wedding rings, but uh, Tina has uh, asked that, that this is a new wedding ring. Is that correct? Ah, I see. So we've got so we've got new wedding and engagement rings, new 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 rings to be worn, um, uh, and so I am going to say a blessing of the rings, and then I'm actually going to use the blessing at the end of the blessing of the marriage for you all, since you are all celebrating an anniversary this morning. So first, bless O Lord these rings to be signs of the vows by which this man and this woman have bound themselves to each other. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now for the blessing. O God, you have so consecrated the covenant of marriage that in it is represented the spiritual unity between Christ and his church. Send, therefore, your blessing upon these, your servants, that they may so love, honor, and cherish each other in faithfulness and patience, in wisdom and true godliness, that their home may be a haven of blessing and peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, bless, preserve, and keep you. The Lord mercifully with his favor look upon you and fill you with all spiritual benediction and grace that you may faithfully live together in this life and in the age to come. Have life everlasting. Amen. Now we will walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God. Please stand. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. For you are the source of light and life. You made us in your image and called us to new life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself, and when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, 
You and your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food and the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. 
May God the Holy Trinity make you strong in faith and love, defend you on every side, and guide you in truth and peace. And the blessing of God Almighty the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.